folks, and welcome back to another exciting episode of Loss of Lieutenant. I'm your host, Kevin, and on tonight's show, I'm joined by fellow host, Nick. How's it going? Brilliant. Thanks, Nick. Way, mate. Yeah, so with the new FAQ drop, we thought we'd jump on and have a bit of a chat about um, some of the changes and clarifications and even a few things that we might have liked to have clarified but have still yet to appear in an FAQ document, but we'll get to that. That's right. Yeah, tonight's episode, we're going to talk about the FAQ. I'm referring to our FAQ for the FAQ, but before we get into that, we'll... Um do a quick catch up. Yeah, so I mean, I guess the bit of a bit of a preamble as well. Um, the uh, our, our setting at the moment compared to when we usually record is a little bit different. So right now it's actually um, early or relatively early morning for for Kev and I. It's not even nine a.m. yet. We um, change things around. I don't have to start work until twelve o'clock noon this week. So um, we were able to schedule some uh, morning uh, morning time for a for a recording rather than our usual evening. But uh, I guess that what that means is you'll be hearing us slurping down coffees instead of uh, slugging down beers. <laughs> and um, also, <laughs> there's, uh, like, we'll, we'll probably be a considerable amount of throat clearing uh, going on <laughs> yeah. as well. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but it's a, a bit of a, a, a pre-warning. It's a bit, it's a bit early. I've just gotten out of bed, and I'm, I'm still trying to clear this throat. You know, the winter, the winter <laughs> chill through uh, through Melbourne at the moment. Mm. Yeah, that's it. But it's quite nice, though. It's quite nice to be doing this in the morning. Um, you know, got the whole day ahead of me. Um, you know, I'm not already uh, two beers deep. It's it's nice. I've got a, I've got a pot of tea here next to me. Um, which is, which I'm, you know, getting through. I'm I'm drinking I'm drinking a Boss Black. Uh, the Japanese can- coffee that comes in a can, and it's the uh, the iced long black, and it is delicious. I um, whenever these are on special at Woolworths, I always grab a handful and, uh, and bring them home because um, like they're not that expensive either. So it costs the same as if you were to go get a coffee from a cafe, three dollars I think they are, three fifty maybe. And it's proper coffee. And- yeah, and it's it's amazing. So it's not, and it's like not like your regular iced coffees that are just like effectively chocolate milk with coffee in it um this is this is like a proper or as julian would call it um sadness in a in a, in a, in a cup <laughs> yeah that's right that's what that's what i'm drinking i'm yeah. drinking uh drinking sadness in a can sadness in a can yeah that's a uh, our unofficial sponsor of loss of lieutenant today uh, Boss Coffee. <laughs> yeah, ex- extremely unofficial yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so what have you been up to next since last time we caught up? Mate, I've done like the, the smallest amount of hobby that I possibly have uh, in, in a while. I mean, we had the um, we had our hobby night um, oh, yeah. the other week mm. um, since that's been since we've last recorded and that was that was good fun. We had um, probably about 15 people come come through through the evening, um, which is great. That's sort of the, the generally the regular turnout we get for those types of things, which is which is awesome. It means that it's not too many people to have lots of people talking over each other and and um, and there's some familiar faces popping on there and then just a few lurkers in the background as well just to to, to listen to the the sound of our voices and and, <laughs> and that yeah, sort of thing. Nice. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So I've um, I have picked up some uh, some Age of Sigma toys um for some reason i guess i had too much money in my bank account um <laughs> you have considerably <laughs> less your bank account now <laughs> yeah, now i have too yeah exactly considerably less but um there's uh, some of the minis that i've just i've got some of the um the iron jaws the the oryx or orcs um i've just loved those minis ever since they came out and so i had the opportunity to pick some up 
at a, at a pretty good price. So I um, I grabbed those and I've been putting them together and going to try my hand at painting some yellow because they've got like the big bulky mm. armor plates. It's all mostly <clears throat> yellow on the studio design. So I'm going to um, I've look at seen some of the techniques where you paint um, like hot pink as a as a base and then do like a zenithal over the top of that and then um, yellow over the top oh. of like the pink and white. So apparently um, I was talking to a, a, one of the, one of my colleagues at work and like, like he has no interest in this sort of thing anyway, but I just sort of, he was sitting next to me at the time so he couldn't escape. Um, <laughs> but I explained that how, yeah, I'm looking at like doing like a base pink and then yellow over the top. And then he's like, well, that's just like basic, basic um, color, um, color matching. Uh, the person who came up with that is probably a makeup artist because they do that sort of thing all the time. I'm like, all right. <laughs> so. yeah right that that that, that uh, prompts a, a few other um, questions for me then it's um like we we have all these re resources online where we look up you know color theory for for a lot of time it's like regarding miniature painting but maybe we should be looking up um i don't know makeup artist uh chat you know instead. i mean particularly where, you, where you're using um paints that are not particularly heavily opaque um, where the, whatever's underneath is going to come through, mm. um, then the more resources we've got, the better, really. Because it's funny, I, like I was saying that, so I, was, I said the same thing to my wife, how like um, putting a pink underneath yellow, and she's like, yeah, that makes sense, like from a makeup perspective. So I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, right. No, that's, I, yeah, I, that's probably just like a really daw for everybody else, but us nerds are like, me. Mm. Like, no idea no i'll be good i'll be good to see them because uh, yeah i agree those are really nice models i have not picked up any age of sigmar myself are you gonna plan to play the game or just well maybe um I've, i haven't gotten that far yet i'll um again my my i am quite time poor at the moment as well mm. so we'll see like it's not I'm, I'm not i'm not in the i'm not looking for a new game or anything i'm not uh, not ditching infinity so um it's still my still my uh my uh my main my main squeeze but um yeah nice to just sort of branch out and get to paint a few things that are a bit different i i think they're they're like from a painting perspective as well i am picking up an airbrush so um i have an airbrush at the moment but it's just that like that cheap single um single action uh, aldi airbrush oh, yeah. which they which they sell like once a year on their in their special buys and that was like <clears throat> good to use for just like basic um priming and that sort of thing i have used that a little bit for that stuff but i am looking at getting a, a dual action um airbrush so that i can actually get a bit more uh uh control control yeah that's it yeah, yeah. well uh, yeah I've, there's our group chat and whatnot has kind of been a there's been a lot more age of sigmar and and games workshop stuff going up in it lately and i have been looking at those vampires and you know now you've yeah the they're orcs, so I'm like, gorgeous so those uh, um the new vampires they've come out with are just absolutely oh, amazing and they're like i feel like they them. really some of them do really sort of hark back to some of the old school uh warhammer fantasy battle sort of von karstein yeah, yeah. type vampire they stuff they changed hugely like the characters haven't changed hugely i don't think but then there's like some other ones that are like these massive half monster looking things, and that's that's real cool too. Yeah, they all look really cool. Like I just yeah, I've um I've gotten back into watching uh, Castlevania again on Netflix, and I'm just I start I started yeah. watching that. I've never watched it before, and I, oh, so I started watching it a few incredible. weeks ago. And um, like I literally watched the first season in one night because it's only like 
it's like four three, episodes. Yeah, yeah it's like yeah. quite it's, short. It's, it's and, basically like the same length as a movie, but it's like broken mm, up into three or four episodes. Yeah. Yeah. So I've just finished the second season, um, so I won't spoil anything for anyone who hasn't watched it. But definitely recommend the um, the watch there. And yeah, I started watching that at the same time that all those um, those new vampire models were coming out as well. So I was mm-hmm. getting real into the into the whole vampire vibe as well. So yeah. that was awesome. Yeah. Oh, oh well. I'm, I'll just have to see if I can put some money aside over the next few months and maybe pick up some <laughs> Sigmar stuff. <laughs> well, I mean, even like if you if you do just like the vampires as well, you could just get the uh, the Underworlds. Oh, yeah, um, that is another band, which mm. is just like four models, and they're pretty nice too. There's some real nice ones, and they've got a bit of a mix uh, in terms of like there's one sort of like a uh, fancy looking vampire, and there's like a big brute british one and there's another monster type vampire in there as well so um yeah they, they nice look like they're based off the original um the original they're more closely related to the von karstein stuff i'm not sure yeah yeah, yeah, and, yeah they, 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 they look they look very much like um those original models but hmm. i don't know um yeah yeah, but on the Infinity side of things, haven't had any games in a little while, unfortunately. Um, but there is a tournament coming up uh, that's just been announced next month over oh, yeah, in Werribee, yeah, over in the West, that that, um, that Ben's going to be um, running. So we can sh- when we we can put um, we're going to have a bit of a shout out for a few different events, so we can have a bit of a chat about that one as well, if you like. Um, but I'll probably see if I can try and arrange to to get to that and get a few games in. So that'll be nice. Um, yeah, I'm just adding it to the uh, to the notes. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Um, yeah, but yourself, have you had any um, had any games in lately? Um, games wise, yeah, I've, uh, actually, I had two games in since our last chat, uh, both against uh, the same opponent, both against Callum. Uh, so I had one a couple of weeks ago um, in looting and sabotage in my vanilla hack versus Callum's assassins, and that was a really great game. We played at the local store. Um, it was in prep. Uh, it was actually in preparation. Well, I'll, I'll get to it, but it was in preparation for um, uh, a challenge that another podcast is doing, but also uh, for our own challenge. Oh, sorry, I'm just gonna get, gonna get the door. I'll be right back. <laughs> I couldn't. I'm back. I couldn't decide whether or not to keep talking or not, so I just sort of mumbled. <laughs> For a few seconds, so I don't know what I'm gonna do. Maybe I'll just edit this. Fuck knows. Anyway, yeah, um, yeah. So it's good. We played at the down at the local uh, local store, tabletop games in Burwood. I brought oh, my nice. uh, Brutal Cities table because I um, want to get that table out there more and to test out a few different configurations. Uh, was also doing our chess clock challenge as well, so I wanted to so I asked Callum if he wanted to do it and he agreed and then thirdly I was also doing it for the Bromad Academy challenge as well this month where they want you to use um, heavily armoured models or you know at least one heavily armoured model um, and just try so it like as like as in like how do you determine if something's heavily armoured just like it's, it's just the vibe yeah it's it's pretty uh, it's pretty lax like they want you to try to use one of the heaviest armoured things in your list in your army um you know you could use a whole army of them or you could just have one but it's basically you know you're you're adding it to your army with the intention of doing something with it right um, so that was a fun game um yeah so the so for the challenge i added uh, an alpha seed into my list which is the one with the heavy oh, really? yeah, it's, yeah it's 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 a really great profile i really like it but it does get a bit I guess sort of poo-pooed a little bit as being a bit bloated because it's um, not only is it an arm five heavy infantry, uh, it also has like you know six saints, veteran, mind layer, 
uh, and you pay like mid you know you pay like mid 40s for it yeah um, whereas- I mean, the, the the um the alpha sid model that came in um red veil red veil yeah. with the holding the pistol out and then like the heavy machine gun or something that's that is one of my favorite hack that's probably my my single favorite um hack islam miniature yeah and, and actually that i love that sculpt and actually that one probably gets maligned more because you pay 53 points for that model mm-hmm. and when you compare it to something like an azriel who you pay 40 points for an aphmg with plus one damage and continuous damage and same armor and same ballistic ballistic skill it's kind of hard sometimes to justify taking the alpha seed but i took it i ran it um and it it um it did the job as a bit of an anchor in my list using the mine layer and the fact that it's you know a beefy beefy heavy infantry that can go into suppressive fire because it also has a smg um turned it to be pretty useful so i'm gonna try to run the alpha seed a bit more in my games just to feel out what else it can do um because i know in rama it can also duo with a rafik which i think is quite nice because you can um you've got a you know a specialist a specialist bot that can go up and push buttons while he can um you know shoot things as he moves up and okay sure the midfield and because he's like got six cents right he's fizz 14 so it means if anything gets within eight inches of him he's always dodging on 14 so he's you know always able to maneuver around the table get into you know you know, kind of keep pressuring your opponent and obviously, you know, be able to react through smoke, be able to react from like out of line of fire. Um, mm. you know. I mean, just looking at it now, yeah, mine layer, six sense. I mean, veteran, like, veteran's a good skill, but it, I mean, it's only going to come into play if, you, yeah. if you're in a bit of a rough space. Um, but I mean, it's not a bad profile. It's, it's not bad. It just, um, I think the heavy machine gun is probably a bit, too expensive for what it does. Yeah, the price difference between the HMG and the heavy rocket launcher that that's quite surprising to me. Fifty three for the HMG and then forty five for the HRL. Yeah. So um, and it's a plus one burst heavy rocket launcher as well. So um, yeah, it's that's it. That's quite a price difference for those two. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you're still getting a burst three on the heavy rocket launcher. It's still a you know template weapon with a good range bands. Um, you've still got the SMG to to put things in the suppressive fire. Um, I just feel I just see it as a really useful piece to even bully up into the midfield, play some mines, and go in suppressor fire. Yeah, and because um, yeah, I mean the heavy rocket launcher's got the same range bands as HMG anyway, right? So yeah. you're on, and yeah, with it being burst three, I think that's a no-brainer. I guess the issue with the profile is it does have that dead dead band between um, over eight and like between eight and sixteen, where it doesn't really it has that zero range band. For both the um, SMG and the HRL, it's yeah, zeroes there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it, it just yeah. um, it kind of doesn't perform that well in that space. But then again, neither does mm. the HMG profile either, um, which is why I was thinking in something like Rama, you can duo it with a Rafik Red Fury, so to cover your eight to eight to twenty four inch range band. And then if you're taking that profile, you may as well also take the Evil Hacker, which you can then either either a buff the Rafik or b put fairy dust on the alpha seed which makes him bts9 effectively and also he's veteran so he can't be oblivion so the only thing you can do to him is carbonite so he's actually very difficult to hack which to me seems like pretty good yeah oh so the rafik rafik is the bot with sensor yeah it's the sensor bot um, yeah Okay, yeah, yep, but yep, the yep. hack hack version has a red fury, so at least it has that ability to. Oh, I see too. Yeah, the fight. So the fire team option, yeah. red fury, that's not bad at all. Yeah, for twenty points, you know, and it, it's you know you can put them together. But um, but the game is really good. Um, 
I think uh, I came out on top on that one with a combination of a Nahab and a Fide. So the Nahab is the infiltrating berserk CC specialist with D charges. And the Fide was the one with the double action CC weapon. So this, uh, the idea was the Fide moves up, throws smoke onto the objective. The Nahab moves into the smoke and places D charges until the thing blows up. Yeah, which, sure. Which, which, and then using the Fides, the Fides also in base contact with the with the beacon. So then you get the plus one burst. Nice. So yeah, that was a, that was a good game against Callum. Um, we we tried again to play. God, when was that? Monday night, but we only got one turn in because the store shut. Um, uh, and that, but it was just really sad because that was actually shaping up to be a really interesting game. It was again, it was my vanilla hack versus his assassins. Um, so the last time we, the last two times we played, we both take like at least two Delami each, and we both deploy them on the midline, like next to each other. So whoever goes first just kind of goes discover shoot, and then we both like <laughs> light shock on each other, and we just hope that one of us fails. You know, like in, fails in, the armor save. Invariably, every time we played, we both fail their armor saves. And we both have like two unconscious Delami <laughs> <laughs> somewhere in the midfield. Uh, so that yeah, that was a lot of fun. We only got the one turn in though. Um, I reckon Callum's dice are cursed though because this is the second time he's run an asset we're at me and he can't seem to roll better than an 18 for any of his um, shots uh, so um, yeah so unfortunately that didn't get that that game didn't go further than turn one but I reckon it would have been a super tight game had it gone further mm-hmm. um, and then hobby wise yeah the hobby night um, painted up a whole bunch of different stuff I've got um, I think I painted up most of the Tuareg some more defiant stuff, and I've got my mobile brigada for my Starco that I've got the base the base coat down on, which I'm quite happy with now because I'd lost the blue recipe that I used two years ago. So yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to that's make a, it up again. That's a really important point though, um, in terms of like recipes, because if you want to um, remember, I mean, it's the it's trying to remember everything and you keep it inside your head is just an absolute. Um, setting yourself up for failure. Like if you, if you want to be able to paint something again, the same to match everything else in the future, you really do have to like create a document, like a Google sheet or something where you're uh, making notes of, of what you're actually doing there. So you can reference back to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I I decided to go in a slightly different direction. So I've gone with contrast paints and they start on the mobile Brigada and it's actually looking really good. Um, I'm just not sure how it's going to look next to the army. It's, it's pretty close. I think with that, I think with um, the color matching is is not too bad. So um, yeah, hopefully no I've been knows. I've been I've been watching a lot of um, uh, painting like a bunch of paint, YouTube painters, like mm-hmm. miniature painters on on YouTube. And what, uh, an interesting point that one of them brought up was a video talking. I can't remember which person it was. It might have been Squidmar uh, Miniatures talking about um, how what he did to go from like a complete beginner to what the level that he's at now in like a six month period, how he sort of fast tracked his progress. And one of the things that he mentioned was that um, he always wants to be trying something new, like not to do Mm. the same thing twice. So even if he is painting an army, he will use different techniques and different, um, not necessarily different styles, but different techniques to get the same, to achieve the similar type goal so that he is trying out new things rather than just, repeating the same stuff over again sure repeating the same stuff over and over again does improve your like your your, your basic skills and like your brush handling and that sort of stuff but if you want to properly improve on your techniques you do need to be trying out new new things and but 
the flip side of that being if you are trying out new things in the same army, your models are not all going to look the same. But then to create, so then I guess my opinion on that is to then create uniformity there rather than having to have the same style and the same like perfect cover matching and stuff between your units, even if you've just done the basing the same so that that is a coherency between the force that binds that all together um, so that there's something there that that does mean that they do fit together if they're sitting standing side by side rather than and having to be all the same techniques and exact same color matching and stuff. That's a really good that point, actually. Sense. You mentioned that because my Starkle um, are a mercenary force, right? So the whole, <laughs> so from the outset, what I did was that they're all painted with the same two colors, so like a blue and an orange, but they weren't all painted in the same way, you know, um, to sort of show that, you know, while they're all this, like, while they, because uh, Starkle is like Nomads, Hack Islam, and some Ariadna. Um, so while they might all have elements of blue and orange in them, they're not always like the same way. You know, they might, one might be more orange than blue, one might be more blue than orange. This shoulder pad might be orange, but on the other model, this like knee pad might be orange. So, yeah. and when you look at, so that when you look at on the table, you can kind of tell that, oh yeah, these are riot girls. Oh, this is a hard case, but, um, uh, but yeah, it, they, they all look like they're from a- Yeah, so I mean, there there is, there is coherency there, yeah. but it's not- um, like a standard uniform type thing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They've all been given. They've all just I don't know spray painted on some orange or whatever <laughs> to to just you know hide that they're not from Brigador anymore. Um, yeah. yeah um, well, I mean, did it. we want to? You mentioned that you did the um, the chess clock our June challenge in your um, in your games. Do we want to just give that another bit of a plug? Yes. As to the, um, yeah. So as I said, yeah, the two games that we played, I played recently, were on clock. Uh, so I actually dug out my old, uh, I had like an old, what do you call, Samsung tablet thing, which I had a chess clock still downloaded on it. So I just charged that thing up and brought that with me so I could use my phone. I also printed off the list as we discussed on the previous episode. Wow. Uh, Look at you, Rob. Kev. Look yeah. at you. And, and honestly, it was a lot, it was so much easier because I could also then use the pieces of paper to write the numbers of the camera markers on so all my cam markers are, are numbered so i could yeah. write them next to the thing and that was wow. like super easy uh, so that he's was learning nice. he's, he's learning know, it was it was like i mean i only lost the army list a couple of times during the game where i was like where the fuck did i put that um but i think it <coughs> excuse me i think it did help um but yeah the, obviously the second game was a bit of a wash like because we only got one turn in sure but the first game was really interesting because uh i took twice as long to deploy as callum did so Callum took uh, 10 minutes to deploy and I took 20, which on the offset at the start of the game made me a bit nervous. Um, but as the game went on, we ended up both taking 20 minutes for turn one, 15 minutes for turn two, and then turn three, I think I took like five and he took 10, I think it was, because obviously I had less time to, to begin with. Uh, and it ended up with, I think, him having like 10 minutes left on the clock and I had like 12 seconds left on the clock. Um, but I mean, and I've kind of done a bit of a write up about it um, that I can share uh, with our listeners on our Discord. But it was interesting because I was going second. I had a lot more to think about when I deployed, so I think that kind of was it allowed me to not allowed me to, but like um, it was fine that I took twenty minutes because I needed sure. to take twenty minutes to to decide what I was going to do with my models because my opponent has set up in a particular way and I had to then think about how to counter it. Because I think when you go first, you're kind of more 
all right, this will go here. This will go here. Yeah, you, then- you can you you can you have more influence on dictating where the direction of the game is going to go mm-hmm. if, you, if you deploy first because you're putting your bully pieces down, you're putting your um, your link teams and things like that. You get to you get to pick which side of the table is gonna is gonna have all the heavy stuff, which side's going to be lighter on or, or what are you going to do there? Exactly. And then your opponent who's going second has to then react to that. Yeah, yeah. So I think the reaction took longer. They can. Yeah, so I think the reaction to setting up took me a bit longer, but I think that paid off in the end because Callum wasn't able to land any damage on my AC2. Sure. So, you know, we discussed it in uh, a episode prior called Turn Zero, which was, you know, the deployment phase, and we wanted to emphasize how important deployment is. So the the fact that I took 20 minutes to deploy, while maybe it could have gone faster in some elements just due to efficiency, I think that was a good indication of how long I took because the second game we played, even though we only got one turn in, I also took 20 minutes to deploy and I was going second again. So that seems like I've got, you know, working up a bit of a baseline, which made me think I could definitely play on clock more often and record mm-hmm. all of my times and see, you know, what my times are for going first, going second, and then also do it by army to see how comfortable I am with each army because I'm pretty comfortable with sure. Islam. Um, but how would I go if I was running with link teams or how would I go if I was running with combined army, which I'm less com- which I'm less confident with. So um, there'll be a bit of a write-up that I'll... I think I've already... I've either posted it already or I will we'll post it after the show. And yeah, definitely. Read, so People can read about um, it. But yeah, I mean, we've had so much feedback from this monthly challenge. It's really been quite outstanding, the amount of people that have been for it or against it. I mean, and we had that whole episode talking about that as well. Um, but anyone who's participating, just do do a bit of a write-up on your experience, how it's happened, how it affected your play and made you play differently uh, than what it normally would. And you can just shoot that through to us at our email address, which is lossoflieutenant at gmail.com. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah, we've yeah, got so- one week left, guys. So uh, we yeah, you got till the end of the month to submit your entries to be in with a chance to win a blister of your choice from Toy Soldier Imports. Perfect, yeah. So, um, again, great, great sponsor of the podcast, Toy Soldier Imports. If you need to pick anything up, jump on their website and they can always help you out. So, Exactly. Uh, so we'll get into a bit about the upcoming events. So we have plugged them already, but we'll plug. Um, so Winter Wipeout is in Geelong on the 28th and 29th of August. Uh, there will be a link in the show notes there on Facebook. We'll also link to the players pack, which will detail the missions and the price of entry. I think it's uh, $50 from memory, but you can check out on the uh, on the, on the the link. I think they're about halfway full now um, from uh, from memory. So get in, get in while you can. It's going to be a great event. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, next up, we've got uh, Burn City Brawl, which is still on the 11th and 12th of September. Um, early bird again until the end of the month. So it's $60 until the end of June and then $60, $65 after that. Um, so yeah, stay tuned for more updates there. I'm helping to organize that one. Apologies, we've been a bit slow with some of the updates. It's just um, life's getting in the way. And since we've been in lockdown, it's been a bit difficult to organize uh, venue and, and, and viewing and whatnot. But rest assured, listeners, we will have that event to you and it will be bigger and better than ever. Um, then we've got Brisbane Open on the 6th and 7th of November. That is a post, well, sort of being run in part by the guys at Transmission Matrix podcast. So they've got a 60-player cap, and it's $60 entry. 
and it looks to be a really fun event with lots of side events on the Friday night and Saturday night. So that'll be good. I'm hoping to get up to that if the we're not back in lockdown by then. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully not. Uh, and then we had That's a new right. event. We had a new event to announce. Uh, did you have the details of that? Yeah, I do. I've got it in front of me here, which is um, it's called uh, No Retreat, which is a 300 point infinity tournament uh, hosted by Ben Carl uh, Cajero, um, who has. Uh, I'm, sure he'll also known... I'm sure he'll appreciate that pronunciation. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty <laughs> sure I got it. I'm pretty sure I got it spot on. Um, who he's uh, done a lot of work on. Um, on uh, what do you call it? Uh, Tabletop Simulator. He's our he's our local TTS Warcall, um, but also runs events out west. So that's at um, Guff Werribee, um, which is a great venue if you are out in the west of Melbourne in Werribee. There, um, I know we are a bit spread out in our player base, so to have uh, uh, games happening over the west side is great as well. Um, it's a three round tournament, three hundred points with no extras. There is a twelve player cap, so um, get in there quick. I'm definitely going to see if I can if I can make it if I can make some arrangements to get out there. So that'll be cool. Um, the Missions. The uh, first mission is firefight. Second mission is a custom mission called Seize and Vaccinate, which uh, <laughs> I think is pretty cute. Um, so I haven't actually had a chance to have a look at the exact um, specifications of what you have to do to uh, to for that mission, but I believe you've got some some uh, some HVTs which you've got to go and like do like a vaccination skill on them to um, yeah to, to get points there. Set up, set up thing, the five G so. network. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Um, and then uh, supremacy is the, is the final mission as well. So twenty dollar entry, um, and uh, and that's on the twenty fifth of July. So just uh, about a month away from now. So if you're if you're keen, um, jump on there yeah. and uh, and check it out. Very yeah, very keen to get over there. It's always good to play with those guys uh, over in the west, and also means they don't have to traipse all the way over to the east like they like they tend to have to do. Yeah, of course. So because we are we do have we do have a nice like a few players out out west and then even sort of down towards geelong as well there's a little player base so that event the winter wipeout that is in geelong as well so to have a growing player base out of that direction is is just perfect so yeah that's a good that's a really good point actually yeah we do have that base in geelong so it's it's actually very convenient for them just to come up to Werribee because that's probably only like what half an hour for them it's about it's probably closer to them than it is to us <laughs> probably yeah. yeah to get across the city yeah so yeah guys in geelong check it out um with that was there anything else we want to chat about before we get into the main segments um, oh we could probably have a quick chat about some of the there's been a few leaked images of oh, yeah. some of the upcoming um what is it operation crimson stone uh, crimson tide crimson something <laughs> yeah. crimson stone crimson, um yeah. so like the <laughs> like i love it when 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 ben who's running the this event that we just spoke about he's somehow managed to wrangle some uh some some leaked images as well of uh the i guess the two-player starter pack the um nomads and um ariadna which are going to be going into code one which then be corregidor and cosmoflot for um for, for uh, infinity proper and four but i swear to god like these images, if you could just, I don't know, maybe find some extra pixels, that'd be, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah, they're because, missing a few. <laughs> like you can, you can, you can see that there's like, there's definitely miniatures in these, in these images, what they look like. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't, couldn't much <laughs> tell you. So literally, I think it was, I don't know when it was dropped. must have been, I must have not looked at it until the morning, but I remember looking at my phone and being like, <laughs> 
going like wiping the sleep from my eyes going what the fuck's wrong with my eyes I, like put my glasses on i was like no that is just the, the picture looks like <laughs> that's, that's just very 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 low res yeah it's a it's a like, bit of a it's tease. Like there's, 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 there was a low res image which someone has then taken a photo of that image yeah. with their phone <laughs> um and then emailed it in in the as compressed format as they possibly could <laughs> to uh, to someone else for it to then somehow find its way onto the internet. So, yeah. um, I mean, you can find those images if you want and like enhance, <laughs> enhance <laughs> yeah. um, to try and determine exactly what it is we're looking at. But then there was a, some dossiers that will look pretty cool for the um, the Rockots. Um, and then uh, Wolfgang Armadeus Wolf, Wolf um, <laughs> as a uh, what do they call that? A render for for his um, image, yes. which which we which we think is going to be um, potentially like the limited edition miniature that comes out with the if you pre order. Oh, that's a good point. So yeah. that's not a, that's not official or announced. That's just what I think it's going to be. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I mean, it does make sense though. Mm-hmm. And then, um, but then some we could you could see the um, diaphos as well, um, which looks like it's going to be Billy and Jazz from Defiance versus Caden uh, First Strike, also from Defiance. Yeah, um, that, was a bit, that was a bit of a surprise announcement. I was not expecting them to be Defiance characters. Well, so it's, it's a leak, so it's not an announcement. Oh yeah, sorry, leak, leak. But I was not expecting <laughs> them to be Defiance characters. Although it makes a lot of sense, seeing as you can only get those miniatures if you buy defiance at the moment right sure yeah so to, yeah, yeah so to get to have another avenue to get those to get those guys i mean i know Caden doesn't necessarily get much play but billy i've seen a few times on the table so. oh yeah like she's like the best hacker in the nomads at the moment that's it yeah yeah so yeah. And, and, um, and as someone mentioned i think on crypt posting before uh you know how whenever a dire falls pack is released it's like this is useless but i think <laughs> this is like the first dire falls pack that people can be like Oh, this this is good. Yeah, if you play Nomads, get this get this pack. Um, That's it. Yeah. Unless, you've, so, unless you've already got Defiance. True, but um, yeah. So that's good. Yeah, so yeah, and then and they I don't did. Think there they, was any other images? Was there? No, they did release the uh, painted version of um, Wolfgang Amadeus Wolf because he's going to be uh, added into Code One. So you, we got to see his Code One profile as well, which you know it's is very similar to his N4 profile although he you know has lost some of the some of the some of the rules um mm-hmm. i was actually quite taken aback by the by the model itself i knew as a wolver but he i don't know if maybe because he's like called Amadeus wolf i had this impression that he would look more gentile more elegant but he like he looks pretty um pretty pretty like scary actually brutal yeah. yeah yeah like he's got that he's like face looks really like really wolf-like almost vampiric in in, in, a, in a way or he kind of reminds me of um what's his face from mortal Kombat? baraka yeah, the guy with like the guy with four arms no no the guy with like all of the teeth okay <laughs> yeah he's his name baraka or something like that i forget his forget his name but um he that kind of his face reminded me of that as well because i think he's bald um, that's what I like. I think it's the fact that he doesn't have any hair. Yeah, is what makes him just look that much more intimidating. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, because like g- generally, we've seen wolvers. They're like, yeah, wolver. It's a wolf. It's, he's got loads of hair everywhere. But this guy's bald, mm-hmm. so something's going on there. Yeah, he's he's um like he's like a he's like a crack wolver. Like yeah, it's got. It's pretty cool. It's got like the Wolverine 
claws mm-hmm. coming out of his um of his wrist and stuff. So yeah, I mean that's um, and he's a bit of a uh, somewhat malign profile. Like people seem to like him on paper, but then when they play him, it's just like oh, I might as well have something that actually does. You know, for for its cost, you might as well just chuck an HMG in, in that link rather than run him in there. But I I think I would hope that people would run him more now that we've seen the model because I do think the model looks really really nice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then something else I noticed that is more Code 1 related and it could be a typo but on the Code 1 profile he has an irregular order on his profile which doesn't exist in the Code 1 rules so it may be a new rule coming into Code 1 or it could be something else I'm pretty yeah, sure, yeah no I'm just looking at that now yeah that's correct I mean that's interesting again this is all this is not official stuff that's been pulled out officially so it could just be they hadn't updated it correctly at the time that this was leaked or whatever. Exactly. But um, could we'll, be. we'll have to wait and see. Who knows? Yeah, it could be that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was a good point. Um, yeah. So yeah, Ben put those up in our um, in the Lost Lieutenant Discord. So if you're not on the Discord, jump on. Um, for some reason, he posted them in the off-topic chat thread um, when <laughs> yeah, I believe that these, are, these, are, these are definitely on topic. Um, Maybe because we don't have a, so, we, we don't actually have a channel for, uh, for new, like news and announcements, perhaps. Maybe this is uh, yeah. maybe this is our fault. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> um, yeah. So just that was interesting. Um, one other thing that we wanted to chat about, which uh, which you haven't mentioned yet, uh, Kev, is that you or uh, you had a little um, uh, guest appearance. Yeah, on, I was, I'm, um, I was. I'm seeing other people behind your back, Nick. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just I just thought we could, we should bring that out into the open. Have yeah, to have, have, have a serious talk about this, please. Let's let's be yeah, let's be clear. <laughs> this is an open relationship, uh, <laughs> and it's it's totally ethical. Um, yeah. So I was on the I made an appearance or as a guest on the Dice Abide podcast. So um, late night war games. They put an episode out every week, and they do the incredible thing of doing it all live on Twitch uh, on a weekly basis. Um, actually, I think one episode will be coming out some point today or tomorrow if i get my time zones right but yeah it was a blast um got to sit down with adam and john and chat about um a whole bunch of stuff from chess clocks the feq we got to talk about some of the missions like mind wipe looting sabotaging and capture and protect and it was really good just to chat to play uh, infinity players from the other side of the world get their thoughts on the game and just kind of like yeah sit down they were drinking beer i was drinking coffee because of the time difference um, but yeah, I had a had a great had a great time, and hopefully, fingers crossed, sometime in twenty twenty three, maybe might be able to get over there and uh, play some games with those guys. Oh, that's exciting! Yeah, but if you haven't heard of them, um, yeah, they're you, you've probably if you haven't heard of them, you've definitely seen them on WGC because uh, John is the um, he does Merc Recon and the Bromad Academy, so all the missions, the monthly challenges that you'll see on WGC are are by him, and then Dice Abide is Adam who you um, would, would, again, see on WGC quite frequently, posting articles about tactics and also painting uh, tutorials and a whole manner of stuff as well. But they also talk yes. about other stuff that's not just Infinity. They also talk about heavy gear. They, they're quite into um, like a whole bunch of stuff like Kickstarters and, and, and any game that's out there that kind of is shiny, they'll, they'll, they'll chat about. So it's always they, good they, to they, talk about They that. do quite a lot of Infinity coverage, but other stuff on the side as well so. yeah other stuff on the side as well um they're into dystopian wars which i used to be into and that's just been relaunched so we had a bit of a chat about that so that's gotten me 
quite excited about talking about or about i always i always love the aesthetic of dystopian wars i never played it or ever picked up any of the miniatures or anything but i think it always looked really cool yeah i think it's really great i've got the older uh, cast uh what do you call resin miniatures but apparently they've now relaunched with a new company and it's now they're releasing plastics and the plastics look really really good so I really want to pick up the the rules. I think they're free to download and uh, find players in Melbourne that might be want to pick up pick it back up again and and, and play a few games because yeah, like I, I yeah love the aesthetic and I love the the activation rules around it and the the whole the whole lore as well is really cool. Like that kind of alternate World War One um, steam steampunk diesel steampunk punk type diesel punk yeah exactly is. Yeah, it's really interesting to me. So, um, yeah, had had a great time. So, shout out to those guys. Um, thanks very much for having me on. Yeah, yeah. So, if you haven't seen them, definitely check it out. Can um, can recommend it. And if you want to have a little bit of a look at uh, at Kev's beautiful face, you can find them. Is it on YouTube or just on Twitch? Yeah, I think they upload. I think they upload the whole thing to YouTube. If you want to watch it, because it can be a bit of a visual medium, because they do talk about. You know, they will bring up pictures and, and um, battle reports to, to help with that. But it's also just as easy to listen to them on something like Spotify or, or any. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, they, they, they basically do, they do a podcast, which they record and publish live as well. So correct. Video. Yeah. So, yeah. So, which is, which so is pretty fun. incredible. Um, and to do that on a weekly basis without any editing, it's actually in some ways it makes their life easier because unlike us where we have to go back and edit stuff out, they just be like, well, that happened and moving on. <laughs> so it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we kind of, we kind of did that with our with our live show that we did, and that was even a bit of a test run for us to see if we could do that sort of thing as well. So maybe in the future we might look at uh, implementing that type of thing a little bit more often. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. But it was a lot of fun. Awesome. Um, well, maybe we'll take a little bit of a break there, Kevin, and we can come back and talk about the uh, FAQ. Yeah, let's do it. Quick break, and we'll be back very shortly. <laughs> I feel like I'm just getting that in. All right, welcome back, everyone. Uh, we're going to be talking about the FEQ that got released last week and then was updated again towards the end of yeah, last so, week. So we got ourselves a 1.1 and then shortly after 1.1.1. So um, hopefully the next one has a different number that's not just one in it. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's nice, uh, nice to have some some facts. Exactly, yeah, and I was on the episode. Where obviously, we were talking about last week with the, with the Dice of Bike guys, and we went through this whole FAQ, and then like literally the following day, they had updated it to one point one point one. I was like, "Hey guys," and they're like, "Ah, oh, fuck." But I didn't get. I actually didn't get a chance to go through the before it got the second update. So, is, has there been any massive changes from one point one to one point one point one? There has been a pretty big change, but we'll get into that as we go through okay. the document. Uh, so, at the moment, yeah, it's just been kind of ordered into. Um, uh, you know stuff that's like there were some really minor changes that I don't think is worth talking about. It was kind of like how ninety nine percent of us played the game anyway, and how CB have just said, "Yes, this is how you play the game." Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's the sort of thing that it's still like that's the way most people play, but it still just needs does need to be in writing somewhere. Yeah, and it's good that they put it in there for sure because it does remove this kind of you know conversations with the way different people in the world play the play the game so we'll just we'll just uh, get started on it so um first thing here i've got is that plus one burst does use up your additional ammo so as before so for instance like the long yard that had a panzerfaust plus one burst there was concern there was like confusion over whether it was still disposable too and if you fired plus one burst it fired both of them in the active at once or whether or not you got the ability to fire it twice 
Yeah, and there there was a bit of confusion about yeah, like if in the how it worked in the active turn versus the reactive turn with that plus one burst. So by having it now to say that if you've got a plus one burst and it's got, for example, disposable two, shooting at once uses both of those disposable units. Correct. Shooting at once in the active uses both. If you shoot if you shoot it in the reactive, you only use one, and if you shoot it again in the, in the active. And the active, then you still only have one. So it basically, you only have one left. So yeah. it turn, turns it down to burst. So it's, it wouldn't it's, be burst two anymore. In that no, it's just situation. it's just very more uh, very more. It is just streamlined, right? It just makes sense, yeah. right? If you have disposable two, you can fire it twice. Or you sorry, not fire it twice. If you have disposable two, you have two rockets. Use them. Yeah, exactly. That's There's it. two of them there. There's two of them there. It's, it brought it, it. it brought two rockets today. Exactly. So that's fine, and I think that makes and it makes sense, right? It's easier to understand, and for like the long year, I think it has plus one burst um, pans uh, flaming spear as well. Oh, Panzerfaust and flaming spear. Yeah. So you you do effectively get four shots with it, just with two different weapons. So yeah. that's fine. Um, they also clarified impersonation markers. Uh, mm-hmm. So if you fail to discover impersonation marker, but then somebody else discovers it and turns it down to M2, then you can retry that previously failed discover. Okay, that's good. Yeah, yeah. so it's good to clarify that then. That um, Because I can understand that that could be a bit confusing if... Because if it goes from one to two, it is now a different marker. It's a different marker. That's right. Which I I never knew how to play that one. I I assumed if you failed, it's still the same thing you're trying to discover, right? But because it's a new marker, then then you can. And it makes sense because in... uh, in the game, if I am a Fide and you discover me in my active turn, and then... I re-impersonate again, you can now discover me again because I'm actually a new marker. Whereas, right. whereas before there was like this confusion going, well, I'm re-impersonated, but you failed to discover last time, so you can't discover it again. But it turns oh, out it's a fresh marker, it's a new it's a new impersonation yeah. marker, so you so can discover you it. Can ki- you can kind of see how without this clarification, it could have been argued either way. Yeah. So this is exactly what we need of FAQ document for to take those ones that could be ambiguous and definitively put it on one yeah. side or the un, other un, un, unambiguous them anyway un, yeah un, unambiguous them <laughs> unambiguous them you were <laughs> look it up in the urban dictionary um spotlight does not remove symbiomates which makes sense because spotlight does not generate there's no save to take a spot against spotlight you just yep. are spotlit or targeted so um you can be targeted when you've got a symbiomate and it does not remove the symbiomate from you when you become targeted which is good um Pilots can bring supply boxes, panoply items, etc., and sync civilians with them when they remount the tag. So that's a nice clarification. Um, yeah. So then, does that mean that the tag? So if you get a gun out of a box, the tag then gets that gun. Uh, so, hmm. <laughs> so we're not quite sure because there's now oh, no. <laughs> because now the the uh, panoply chart has changed. I think there's four four things on the panoply chart that are tag that change if you if you're a tag or not so for example there's one where if you are if you roll 20 you get an hmg but if you're a tag you get plus one burst oh. so i i would say that if you if you go up to panoply with your pilot you roll 20 you get an hmg and you jump back into the tag then that tag now gets plus one burst which is like effectively you slapping on the hmg like you know to the hmg that you've got so i think that makes sense like you wouldn't, you wouldn't then have a second HMG. Okay. Yeah. 
that that's the way I would look at it. So it's kind of like if you were then to if the tag were to, or vice versa, if the tag were to pull out a plus one burst from the panoply, and then you were to dismount the pilot, the pilot would then have an HMG. Mm-hmm. Right. Which, which I think makes the most amount of sense. Um, yeah, I, th- I mean, there's definitely more clarification around like sink civilians and supply boxes and things like that. Yeah, um, that makes sense. That's that's and that's good because in in su- something like supplies, where I think every t- pilot is a specialist of some degree. Yeah then at least then they can pull the supply box out, jump back in the tag, and then the tag can scurry away with the supply box, which I think actually has some interesting play because you can use your own tag to block line of fire to the supply box and then activate the pilot, jump at the back, get the supply Grab box, it and, and then, then jump back, back in. in again and yep. you know use it use it as a, as a shield, I guess. Well, that's, that's cool. I like that. And the Sink Civilian is also uh, useful as well. Um, they clarified climbing, which I, which is kind of interesting. So if you are going, so normally if it's a ladder, uh, you treat like ladders as a horizontal surface. So, and there's this like snap to kind of thing where if, uh, if the, let's just say you've got four inches of movement and you start your activation at the bottom of the ladder and the building is three inches high, then you ascend the ladder three inches. That three inches then snaps you to the top of the ladder. So you gain an extra inch. You technically gain an extra like 25 mil of movement or 28 mil or whatever your base as, is. As, as you go from standing horizontally to standing vertically, you, mean, you sort of snap up. You snap up and then you've still got that extra inch of movement to move, right? Mm-hmm. But if you're using the climb skill, so if you're not using a ladder then you have to use the entire movement to get onto that plane. So if you, so in the same example, if there's no ladder there, you could use your four inches of movement to get to the horizontal plane because it's three inches plus the inch for your base if you are an S2 model. But if the building was four inches high, you'd be stuck on the vertical. And then you have to do a second climb to and make you'd the have rest to do a of the second way. climb to get to the top. Um, so where this, where this might be, uh, you know, where this might affect you is if you're a remote, for instance, um, or if you've got a bigger base, for instance, if you've got like a, if you're an S5 figure with a, with a four inch movement. Yeah, fair. You have to, you'd have to have enough movement to have enough space for your entire base to be on the top level. Yeah. Is that so what you're saying? Yeah. So if you're a 40 mil, yeah. if you're a 40 mil base and there's a three inch high building, you cannot physically get up to the top in one climb, one whole order climb skill because your base is 40 mil. Which would be more than four inches. If your movement skills four. If your movement skills four, yeah. If your movement skills six, it's fine. But if your movement skills four, then it's not so good. Uh, now, obviously, if you've got climbing plus, then it doesn't matter because you treat those as um, flat you know, surfaces. As flat surfaces anyway. So, like the Sujan, for instance, can still snap too because it treats it as horizontal. Um, so, I think that where where that would be interesting, like an, an annoying, is a lot of buildings have parapets on them. So let's just say the building is three inches high and the parapet is an extra inch. Then, yeah. See, like I've always, whenever there's a parapet situation, I always kind of, I'm not sure if this is correct, but I always kind of treat them like you're vaulting through it. I, so, I, I'm the same. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm the same. I don't know if you're supposed to do it that way, um, but I'll just sort of measure up as high as where the flat bit is and then the parapet, you just go through it. 
Yeah, so I'm, I'm pretty confident that's not how you're supposed to do it because <laughs> oh, I know great. I've had conversations with Rob Cantrell about Super Jump before in the same way and I've gone, yep. the building's only three inches high and he's like, yeah, but you need to also account for the parapet mm-hmm. and then the inch down on the other side of the parapet, which means like four inch Super Jump is, is dog shit. And I'm like, yeah, but at some point, like you just vault, right? And he's like, I don't think so. I'm like, oh, come on. <laughs> so, I, you know, I, I don't know. Like I think in our area and I, I feel like, I don't know. Yeah, like it's uh, yeah. In a friendly game, in most tournament settings, if someone's just like, yeah, like I'm just gonna climb up this this thing here and then place my base, I'll be like, yeah, sure. But technically, the the FEQ says there's no snapping, so you need to use your full. Uh, you need to use all of the inches to get to a horizontal plane if you want if you want mm. to finish on a horizontal. So mm. that's that clarified. Um, number of troopers held back is open information. So that is, um, that is inter- well, that is useful information to know if you are running something with Strategos. So, for example, I run Saladin a lot, which gives me two reserves. So, if yep. I am deploying, and say I'm deploying first, and I finish deploying, I at that moment would would say I'm holding back two reserves. I feel like this was something that people did anyway. Mm. Like, uh, or have you, I mean, I I used to use um, Sun Z back in N3, yeah. um, but I haven't used him since N4 has come out, so I don't really have much experience with, with um, Strategos at the moment. Yeah. Um, but was that something that you were trying to hide from people or...? Um, I think there is there there is some play that could be had where you try to mask how many things you've got off the table. I guess, but I mean, yeah, but like I mean, you you're only I guess yeah you you're you're hiding it from if you've only de- if you've deployed thirteen models on the table, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um. Then if your opponent doesn't know. If you've got Strategos and you tell them, you don't have to tell them that you've got two models in reserve, then you kind of know you don't have to worry about a drop troop. Correct. Well, uh, kind of correct. Sort of. For <laughs> hidden deployment. Yeah. But I mean, like, yeah, sure. I, I get that, like, we're at a 15 model cap, right? But I still think with the with with hidden deployment and with drop troops, um, there is still enough wiggle room there to be able to keep your opponent guessing as to how much stuff you've actually got and even if you put down like if you put down a model a camo marker with mine layer there's a mine there you don't have to tell them if that which one of those if one of those is mine you could they can just they have to assume that both of those are models that have been put down so you could put like more than 15 things down the table with camo markers and mines and things exactly your opponent doesn't know which ones of those are actual um miniatures so yeah yeah you can you can you can you can count those as troop as uh as troopers until your orders during deployment until you start to generate orders yes yeah so i think there there's you can do it like if you wanted to you could say i had saladin and i was holding back a fidei and a rajik who's an ad trooper um i could say that i'm holding back two but then only place one trooper because the other one that you've held back is, is the ad troop which is, is not going to go on the table anyway it's not going to the table anyway now i feel and i'm i guess i'm not sure like 
is that that is a reserve model because I guess you can choose to place the Rajik on the table, so it is a reserve mm. model. But then you're kind of losing out on your second reserve then. Yeah. So uh, so I guess if you didn't announce how many how many things you're holding back, you could say have like a have a, uh, a yeah a hidden deploy trooper and mm. a normal trooper, and then just and then just deploy the normal trooper and then make your opponent think that you're just holding back one in reserve. So the fact that you have to tell yeah. them you're holding back two, then removes that kind of area of well somewhat removes it um that kind of guessing work from your opponent right it's really yeah it's not i don't think there's much there's much play to be had around that um i think you're probably you're gonna be putting yourself at a detriment if you try Mm -hmm. so it's fine but at least you know you know now Um, yeah and because the whip and because the whip rule is open information quite often you're gonna know what your target number is is open yes. information. Yeah, 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 yeah. Your target number for your, for your lieutenant rule is open information. So if you're running Saladin, then it's whip sixteen. If you're running an avatar, it's whip seventeen. Seventeen, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then Sunsea, I think it's seventeen as well, or sixteen, something like that as well. So you kind of kind of know that you're up against Stratigos a lot of the time. That's right. Yeah. You if you're if if the opponent's target number for the whip roll is astronomically high, chances are they're, they're on Stratigos anyway. Yeah. So that's fine. Um, they clarified impetuous, which I think is actually a really good. Yeah, I think change. I think this is this is great. It is we finally have a what would you call it like a order of priority yes. for how to uh, how to um, implement a impetuous uh, activation. Mm-hmm. So um, what's what are we looking at here? The number one, you want to use your full movement value. So you got to move as far as you possibly can. Um, after that, you've got to end your movement as far away as possible from your uh, movement starting point. And then after that, uh, end your movement as close as possible to your enemy's deployment zone. Um, and I think that's it. Those are the three. Yeah, those are the three. And they're in that order of priority, which is much better than it was before because there was some you know, uh, confusion over... Well, if I can move an inch towards the enemy DZ, or I can move like half an inch towards the enemy DZ, but move four inches, which one takes priority? Yeah. Uh, and there wasn't that. There wasn't that clarification. It seemed to be like you must move towards the closest. Must move towards the enemy DZ. Seemed to be like the overriding factor. Which, it seemed which, like that one took more priority, but now yes. it's it's saying that no, it's actually moving more inches takes priority over that. So if you can, um, if you've got a situation where moving directly forward one inch uh, into like the, a corner of a building, which you can't then climb because you've done the move already, uh, as opposed to moving laterally four inches, the four inch lateral movement is takes priority. Yes, yeah, which I think it also gives a little bit more agency to your impetuous troopers, uh, so they don't just like run into a wall and be like, "Oh, I guess I'm here now." Um, yeah, and you don't have to like then talk to your opponent and be like, "Oh, look, uh, you know, you can see where my where my my guy is right now. He could move a millimeter towards this wall, or he can move four inches around this corner here, but you de- technically end up further away from the DZ than before. Then you you know now that you can do the latter." Um, which which then means that the impetuous trooper can then take part in the game, as opposed to just like, sure. uh, as opposed to just like lemming hitting the fucking wall the whole time. Yeah. Um. So that's good. That's that's really good positive change. I'm glad they did that. Uh. They clarified Protheon can be used with coup de gras, which I thought you could anyway, but apparently it needed clarification. 
Um, and they've also clarified that if you have a mono filament weapon and Protheon, then you can still take, um, you can still suck up one wound using. Oh, really? Right. So that's because um, that that's a big change, I think, because um, the things that got Protheon, if they had a mono filament weapon, like they would also have like a double action close combat weapon as well, right? Yeah. So it was, it's just the Umbra Samaritan. Yeah. The Umbra Samaritan, right? He was forced to make a choice as to if he wanted Protheon or to use Protheon with the DA, or if he wanted to use the. Um, uh, the monofilament, but yep. now it works with both, so you don't have to make that choice anymore. So that's it. That's it. That is an interesting change. Yeah. So, so that's that's good. Um, and it also um, you can obviously only suck up the, the number of wounds that your opponent has. So if they are a one wound model, the most you can suck up is two, because one from taking the unconscious, and then one from unconscious to dead. If you use monofilament and takes it directly dead, you only get the one though because you've That's only correct. really done the one point to dead. It yes. hasn't gone through the unconscious state. Yeah, so if you if you mono a three wound model for whatever reason, then you would still get one wound from it. Right. Uh, so that's fine. Uh, they have said, does, does a pilot or operator count to dominate a zone of control? No, which is sad. Well, I think, I think we kind of already knew this for pilots um yes. because they don't like pilots have such a minor sort of thing they don't, um, they don't generate like, orders for the, for the exactly yeah. the, the confusion came with the iguana tag which doesn't have doesn't technically have a pilot because there's no one there that's got the pilot rule mm-hmm. um but it does have an operator which is a separate model which has a hmg and also still generates the order once the tag gets goes down um, so it is a corner case that only affects one um, one miniature, one model in the game. Two, I guess actually. Oh, yeah. okay. The, What's the, the other one that Anac- does that? The Anaconda. Uh, okay, right, of course. Um, so I guess to take out these corner cases and make it all a bit more uh, less um, ambiguous and less um, sort of unit specific, to have people to have to know that, oh, that tag, that's the one that does something different from all the other tags. That I guess I kind of do like that. Um, the flip side of that being that the iguana and the anaconda are not they're they're kind of maligned to profiles at the moment anyway. So to to take away some of their uniqueness, um, does that improve those profiles? Not necessarily. Yeah, it kind of hurts because you know yeah, in the case of the iguana, you've only got two wounds anyway, and then when you pop out, you're now heavy infantry. <laughs> Uh, with a HMG, with a HMG, and yeah. it would be nice to be like, okay, I pop out, I've lost my two wounds, my tag, but I'm still a fifty odd point model or 50, 60 point model. Um, but then to be like, okay, actually, this model is worth zero points now. Um, is kind, it's pretty sad. Um, and it's yeah, it's gonna not make people want to take those those profiles. Mm. Yeah, disappointing. Wap wap. Uh, <laughs> You so okay, so that I think there's a couple of other ones that I removed from the lists. Um, one, one that I found kind of funny was people were asking whether or not Cybermask grants you surprise attack, and they're like, if you don't have surprise attack in your profile, then you, you don't, don't, you don't get have surprise, surprise attack. attack. <laughs> Cybermask Cyber does not inherently give you surprise attack. Yeah, and but I mean, N four nothing inherently gives you anything anymore. No, basically, if it's not written on your profile. You ain't got it. You don't have it. Yeah. Um, so, for instance, like so, you know, if you're a Corregidor bandit killer hacker who has surprise attack in his profile, 
if he goes out of the camel state and then goes into Cybermask, then he will get surprise attack because he go. has it in his profile. But if you're a zero killer hacker, sorry, a zero killer hacker does it as well. But if you're like Leila Sharif, who is a killer hacker, but doesn't have surprise attack, then she does not get surprise attack when she goes into Cybermask. Makes perfect sense. So much sense. Um, cool. I think that was most of the big change. Uh, sorry, most of the sort of minor ish changes. Um, dooby dooby doo. Um, they also oh, they also clarify tack awareness does not generate uh does not generate if a model is in hidden deployment. So, for example, mm-hmm. a cutter or a sphinx, which again is that's kind sense. of that's flip flop a couple of times since N four's dropped, hasn't it? No, initially it was one way, then it went the other way, and now it's gone back the other way. No, it was. I think it's always been a case of like you know during your orders order expenditure sequence. If that model's not on the table, then they don't generate their order, and they kind of cleared that up a bit when they had the yan yan the yan yans, because mm-hmm. it used to be. Uh, when a Yan Yan came on the table using his impetuous order, he got his irregular order to use. Then got his irregular order, but then they they changed that and says no, they don't generate their irregular order. So then, I guess for the attack awareness side of things, they've also just clarified that you you don't get it either because you didn't start you didn't during the order generation phase you didn't have it, so you don't get it. Sure. So that makes sense, though. Yeah, Mm. it's consistent. Um, so that's that's good. Um, oh, do you oh, want to talk um, about this next one? Or? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, oh, actually, there was one thing I did want to mention, and it was about flat. Uh, it was going back a little bit, but going back to that bit about spotlight and symbiomates. So, while the spotlight doesn't remove your symbiomate, uh, a flash pulse. A flash pulse. Wait a minute. A flash pulse will. Yeah, a flash pulse will remove your symbiomate because you are immune to it. But it's you still like the symbiomate. The fact that you have total immunity um, prevents you from rolling a save. What? <laughs> Sorry, I didn't, maybe I didn't say that very well. So. If you are hit by a... So we know that total immunity means that you are not affected by Flash Pulse. Yep. However, if you are a symbiomate, or if you have a symbiomate, and you get hit by a Flash Pulse, then you will lose your symbiomate. Are you sure that's been clarified here? Yes. Because... A spotlight does not require a save. You just become targeted. So therefore, your symbiomate does not get popped. But if you get hit by a flash pulse, you would it normally does. you would normally be taking a BTS save, but because you are immune to it because of your total immunity, that obviously then means that symbiomate has to come into effect, which means the symbiomate then, then goes away. Um, I, I can't like I can't see that in the document. But okay, the FEQ. Yeah, I've got like I'm, I've I've. There's a thing here about can non-lethal attacks against a target with immunity total be face to face, and it says yes, they can be face to face rolls. Um, but and then there's a different spot about talking about what happens with a trooper with a symbiomate is hit by spotlight, but it doesn't. There's no point where those two interact. Yeah. So the point uh, that I'm making here is because it says. Um... Spotlight doesn't trigger the symbiomate because it doesn't cause a saving roll, right? But 
cause can a non-lethal but, attack against a target with a diminutive tool will be a face-to-face rule for example using flashbossing as a dog warrior right so it is a face-to-face rule it doesn't take effect until you've been hit which is after you've made the face-to-face rule so what that means to me is that yes you are immune to the effects of the flash boss or the glue gun but because the total immunity is preventing you from rolling a saving throw then you would lose the symbiomate so what you're saying is i think what we need is a, uh, a faq version 1.1.1.1 to <laughs> um to just uh to to reclarify that that point there um yeah sure I, i'm not because I... i'm not sure if it does say that it doesn't really say that, but the, but the reason the reason why they asked about spotlight is because you lose you because you do lose it against a uh, um, flash pulse, right? So they so they they have already established that you lose it against a flash pulse. Oh, that's already established, is it? That's already established. So and that doesn't need to be in the FAQ then. No, but I think because then people then said, well you also don't take a save against a spotlight, so would that also burn the symbiote? And they're like, no, it doesn't, because there is but no you save. Take, do you not take a save against a flash pulse? You take a um, you do. BTS save, don't you? You yeah. do, yeah. So, so, But because, yeah, so so the... Okay. So flat, the, symbiomates activate when you have to take a save, right? Yes, yes. If, when you're hit by a flash pulse, you have to take a save. Just because you're immune to it, though, means you don't have to take the save, but the fact that you're immune to it being caused by the symbiomate means the symbiomate has now activated and is spent. But uh, Spotlight is different because there's no save. Correct. So it puts you into the targeted state, bypassing the symbiomate activation. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So the, I think people were asking is like, well, because the flash pulse gets rid of symbiomate, does uh, Spotlight get rid of symbiomate? And they're like, no, it doesn't because it doesn't. There is no there is no save to be had at all. Right. Yeah. Okay. I understand. That makes sense. Yeah. So so version one point one point one point one is no longer required. No longer Thank required. You. Although, if anyone has any comments that they'd like to, uh, like if we got something wrong there, please like let us know, and we'll be happy to um, correct that on the next episode. Uh, yeah. So the big one that has oh actually no before we get before we do that sorry I had one more thing that wasn't in the FEQ but I have asked on WGC and it has been asked in the forums and I don't have any clear answer on it because I don't speak Spanish but in the ITS document. For the AC2 and looking at sabotage and the servers in Mindwipe, apparently someone has asked in the Spanish document that the, that the Spanish document says the AC2, if it goes below zero, it is destroyed. But in, in Mindwipe, it says if it when it gets to zero, it is destroyed. However, the English version, both of them say the same thing, which is below zero. Now, generally speaking, I think we take the Spanish as the correct one, but because many of us don't speak Spanish, we don't look at the Spanish text, which means I think for everyone who play, or most people who play this game, they've been playing both those missions the same in that if you if the AC2 server goes below zero, it is destroyed. Can we get some clarification from CB as to which is right? Which one of those is correct? Because, because it does it does seem a bit inconsistent for when you're effectively doing the same thing. Sure, they've got different names. One's a server, one's the AC2 or whatever. Um, but for them to sort of have effectively, one of them has an extra wound, right? Um, yes. Because it, the other one needs to take an extra point of damage to go below zero rather than it being destroyed when it hits zero. Um, 
So which way is it going to be? Do they both um, need to get to zero to be taken out or is that an extra point after it's already hit zero? Yeah, so and there's like... A consistency there would be nice, particularly where the, the theme of this um, FAQ document, right, seems to be bringing things into more so that there's no sort of outlying rules that don't have consistency with each other. So this is one thing that is not consistent, which definitely should be cleared up. Yeah, so like in the English document, it is consistent in that in that when they both go below zero, they're both destroyed. But for some reason, mm-hmm. the Spanish document is said differently. And there's been some people who have been saying, well, you know, it's because in ACT it's got three wins and you can repair it. That's why it has to go below zero. And mine might be you can't repair it. That's why, you know, it shouldn't need to go below zero. I'm like, who gives a fuck? Like, just make them the same so that when you go from mission to mission, you're treating this thing as the same, as a, you know, as the same way to destroy it. Obviously, they've got different yep. armor and BTS and wounds. But it it it's like a line of text that could be very easily misread by a player. Sure, make them the same. Either either keep make them both go below zero or make them both at zero. Either way, yeah. I don't really care. I just it's just something that I've picked up on, and there doesn't. And it's it's no answer. it's the. I mean, heaven, heaven forbid, there's a tournament that has both of those missions, and you're having a to having to clarify it every time. Yeah, because it'll one hundred percent happen. Um, in looting and sabotage, when I played Callum last week, I didn't even realize you can repair the AC2. Sure. Because again, it says it in the ITS document, but you know, it's it's um, it's in the bottom, like the last paragraph of destroying the AC2. It says you know it can be repaired with the Gizmo Kit or Engineer skill, and then in the Mind Wipe one, it does say it cannot be repaired with the Gizmo Kit or you know, Engineer skill, but. It's again. It would be really great if they could make that. If they could highlight that. If they could just make that really clear. Because you say in, in a tournament environment, players are going to play it differently because they're not going to have read that thoroughly enough. And it's then yep. down to the down to the TO to remind players. And then you know, like you say, like they might get them mixed up. They might be like, oh no, you can repair the mind white bomb, but you can't repair the AC two. Like just make it easier for the player to read, and make it consistent. So that it's one mm-hmm. for both uh, would yep. be great. Um, yep. So yeah, that was that. So bring that out in one point one point one point one, please. Yeah, and it, and, and maybe and and maybe it just sounds like we're just like going CB make things easier to read for us. We're Eng- our English not good, but it's it's just the ease of the game. Like if we're trying to make N four more streamlined and easier to play, then why do we have these inconsistencies between a, an emission that is on paper? quite similar yeah um, uh, that's all we ask uh okay so the big one the thing that changed and then changed again that made the 1.1.1 is the changes to um especially the aero declaration yeah it's so the whole the change of the whole sequence of how uh declaring your first part of the order then the aro and the second part um how that all fits together yeah, they've declared that. So what they've done uh, is they have said, if I am the active turn, uh, active player, I declare my first short skill, which may be move. At the end of that move, I then check zone of control from the active trooper. Um, and then that then gives the you, Nick, um, arrows. So basically it's allowing you to sort of, not pre-measure, but... Air, uh, zone of control is open information essentially at the end of each short skill. Right. So 
what that then does is it, it allows you to know whether or not an ARO is legal. Um, so, for instance, a hacking ARO or a zone of control ARO like Dodge. Whereas before we had to like say, oh, well, I don't know if that's with an eight, so I'll declare Dodge, and then we'll check it after I've declared. Now, I move my trooper. You, we, I then measure zone of control. Oh, next trooper's within eight inches. He can now declare an ARO um, based on uh, what he could, what he, what is legal for uh, zone of control ARO. There, yeah, yeah. So. I mean, this kind of was put in place to prevent people from doing, I don't even know if people were actually doing this, but there was talk of this happening where you could have a model in hidden deployment and then when your opponent does their last order, even if you know that it's not within zone of control, they declare a dodge, uh, which then reveals them so mm-hmm. that they could get out of hidden deployment if it's like their lieutenant or something like that. Um, they can then be out of lieutenant, out of uh, um uh, hidden deployment for your active turn, but then because it, you declare and then after that would find out if it was a legal declaration and if it's not legal, it's just an idle. And yes. by doing that, it brings you out of hidden deployment. So this kind of alleviates that situation. That's right. Yeah, that's kind of what I feel like it was initially done to fix. But then it's it's brought up a few other issues um, in terms of the rest of the um yeah, so I think sequence. 1.1 effectively brought back speculative arrows. So um, your arrows were, you could declare an arrow in the following circumstances. So like if you had line of fire to the active trooper, if you're in zone of control of the active trooper, uh, if you're in like the hacking area of the active trooper, like, you know, with regards to um, repeater nets, um, and also if there was like an arrow, if you, were, if you could... If there was like any other thing that was like specifically written as like you can arrow, um, but what that kind of brought up though was being able to declare an arrow that would be illegal. So, for instance, the before one point one one point one point one came out, if you were coming up to a corner, Nick, and you're within zone of control but not line of fire of me. Yep. Then I could declare a speculative BS attack because I, in the in the event that you decided to continue moving into line of fire of me. Right. Well, but isn't BS? There's a different specification for ballistic skill attacks because to do a shoot, you need to be you, at declaration. You have to have um, uh, line yes. of fire. Yes. So, so you can't. Sorry, you can't. No, no, you can't. It specifically says you can't do a BS attack against something that's in total cover. Yeah, so that's um, that's one of the things that they changed. Um, they changed now is that you cannot do it. You cannot do it against a model in total cover. Yeah. So, yeah. but but I mean, what this does allow then is that you can now. You, well, it can't be a shoot. You could do other AROs because then it's now all checked at the resolution step. Is that correct? rather than having to figure it out halfway through if something's legal. Yeah, so there's basically no real there's no there's no real way to know if um uh so okay. So <laughs> the fact that we can now measure zone control from the active tripper kind of removes speculate kind of kind of removes not knowing whether or not an arrow is legal because an arrow is legal if you're within zone of control of active tripper or line of fire of an active tripper. 
So like there'll be cases where you'll either have zone control or line of fire or both. Right. So that's that's been that's been clarified in what in the in the 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 one point one point one, the extra revit re, re yes. um redo to to say that you can at all what at all times you know what zone of control is is it open information now yeah at, at, not at all times but at the end of um the during the orders at each part of the order sequence you know where the, that eight inches will finish at the end of it so at the end of you you've declared move at the once you finish moving then you measure yep. zone of control if you move again at the end of that move you measure zone of control right whereas before you you'd only measure it at the very end you don't measure it. Yeah, you only measure it after people declare their um, ARO. So yeah, it, would lead, okay. it would lead to these situations where you know you're not quite sure if you're within hacking area, and then you declare you know you're a camel marker. You declare oblivion, so you come out of the camel state. Then you measure zone of control, and you realize, oh, I couldn't have declared it because I wasn't in hacking area, but now I'm revealed, and that sucks. Right. So now this sort of gets rid of that and cleans that up a little bit by by you knowing yes. there's no more ambiguity as to whether or not you're within. There's no more ambiguity control. there. So if you're a, a head and deploy model, um, you know, you, whereas before you would have to just hope that you're within eight inches to reveal. Uh, but now you will know, well, you won't know for sure because obviously the model's not on the table and you measure from the active trooper, but you will have a pretty good idea whether or not you're within. Um, if you're going to reveal to hack or reveal to shoot or reveal to dodge or whatever it is you're going to do. Right. Um, as long as you have line of fire, zone control, or, or both. Okay. Um, so what? So basically what, the, what, that, what that means is um, BS attacks can... So, oh God, actually, do we want to clarify that? So, but like you said, it doesn't mean that you can declare BS attacks from total cover because that's in the rules. It says you can't declare BS attacks from total cover. Uh, so if a model's around the corner and you can't see them because they are behind a building, then you cannot declare a BS attack, even if they walk out in front of you, um, if they're within your zone of control. Because obviously if they're not within your zone of control, then you have no ARO because you can't see them and they're not within eight inches of you. Yeah. Um, if they are in your hacking area, you can just all you can do is declare, um, like hacking area of a repeater, you can declare reset if you think they might hack you, but that doesn't give you the ability to dodge or whatever because it's not the same as zone of control. Um, BS attack though can be declared if you have no line of fire to the active trooper, but it's not. But it's not in total cover. So, for example, if yes. it's through smoke or um, uh, like, like uh, in your back arc. visibility zones or in your rear arc, yeah, yes, so, that can then be checked later on because they're not in total cover. Yes, so you can declare BS attacks against somebody who is within your zone of control and. Is but is in a zero visibility zone, like in smoke. Um, where that has effect is, for instance, um, Ushia, who has MSV one and smoke grenades. Whereas before, so before, what would happen is Ushia would, you know, throw some smoke, and then walk into the smoke within eight inches of your um, reactive trooper. As a reactive trooper, your only arrow at this point is to is to dodge because she's within your zone of control and she's not using stealth. And then she gets to shoot you basically for free. Whereas now... Well, no, she gets to shoot well, you versus your dodge versus getting yes. shot back. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. It would be... Uh, it, all you can do is dodge. You couldn't shoot. Whereas now, because Yusha's in the smoke and she's within zone of control, um, you can now declare a bait attack because you're expecting the active player to shoot you back. However, if you declare a bait attack and Usha then decides to keep moving 
or dodges or does something other than shoot, then that base attack becomes idle because at resolution it's not legal because you don't have line of fire to the trooper. Yeah. Um, the other thing that this raises, which is a bit dodge, in my opinion, is if, say for example you've got someone or you, uh, you've got your mo- your models in one spot. I've got a close combat model that's around the corner in zone of control. I spend an order on that model. My first, well, my options are I can move and get into base to base contact with you, which would put me into your line of fire, so you could then shoot, or I could declare close combat attack as my first order, mm-hmm. uh, triggering your ARO. And because I'm in total cover, you can't shoot me, so you can't yeah. declare a shoot. You'd have to do dodge or something else. And then as second part of my order, that's when I move into base-to-base contact with you. And then when we check the resolution, I am then in base-to-base contact with you, so I can do my close combat attack. But because you at the point of ARO I was in total cover, you were not able to shoot me on my way in. Yeah, so that's that's something that this is um, reared up again because CB did did um, have an interim like change in the rules where that said that um, CC attack has to be declared can only be declared if you're in silhouette contact uh, on declaration, which removed that ability to do what you just explained. But they've now since removed well, not removed that, but they haven't added that interim. Well, yeah, the, there was an interim ruling, yeah. which was the assumption was that this interim ruling is until we get an FAQ, and then this will be official because it'll be in the FAQ. Yeah. FAQ came out and the interim ruling was not there. Yeah. So that then now means that you can do what you just described. Um, but I guess what it does mean you can do is if you do declare CC attack, CC attack, there's no requirement for you to be in base base contact. So as an ARO, you can ARO CC attack. So you declare CC attack. My oh, sure. ARO, my ARO is CC attack. You move into base to base contact. Then we do a face to face. Yeah. Um, which at least means that you can do something other than dodge um but you know against a cc specialist like saito or or whatever you're still probably going to get ganked um it just means that someone like saito doesn't have to cop the template from exactly he can avoid copying that template on the way which which is big so i don't know if i like this change um i feel like it could be abused by certain models that are extremely good in close combat like uh like umber samaritans um, you know, Liang, ninjas, Liang Kai, Liang Kai. things with six things with things that move six inches as well can get you know a, a hell of a way around the corner. I guess, but it comes back to just um, you know, basic, basically basics in, in Infinity. You know, have have your overlapping field lanes of fire. So if the model who's within zone of control has to get hit in CC, at least he'll have a mate who's next to him or in line of fire of him who can shoot that model as he come as they come in. Yeah. Um, what that does as well is it changes a little bit to how you react to somebody like Andromeda. So people have been compl- like not complaining, but they've been saying Andromeda is really good, which she is. Um, but what people have been saying is in the active turn, before this FEQ came out, um, Andromeda could come around a corner, look at a fusilier. Um, a fusilier would could declare shoot, and then Andromeda can then declare CC using her guard ability, which would put that um the fusilier at a minus three for martial arts a minus three for mimetism and minus three for cover and then andromeda would be hitting him on a 24 with a decharge right whereas now that fusilier now gets to actually declare cc attack rather than shoot which will get around the mimetism 
yeah, and also be on a higher CC than like the combi rifle. However, if the fusilier does declare a CC attack, then Andromeda can just declare shoot, and then it's not. That's right. So yeah. it, it doesn't really help. What where I guess it might help a bit is um, like you know using Saito Togan as a, an example again. Um, you know maybe Andromeda comes comes around the corner. At least now Saito can declare CC attack, and if Andromeda decides to shoot the um, Saito, like Saito's mimetism next six, and you know is is probably a bit harder to hit with a submachine gun. But it's still not great. Like you're still yeah. you're still not in a fantastic position because Andromeda can dictate what she wants to do to you. Um, mm. So, yeah, like mm, it's 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 fine. It's fine. Uh, swings and roundabouts. It's swings and roundabouts. Yeah. So that was pretty much that. Um, I kind of like how it also does affect. Um, attacking from a, you know, from a from a back arc, so it it also is a bit of a buff to something like Sixth Sense. So, like taking my Alpha Seed as an example again, if you were to be walking up behind my Alpha Seed, but in zone control, in the old way, what would happen is my Alpha Seed would would only be able to dodge without a, without a, without an be, egg be, Yeah, because you're not yet the target of an attack, which means it doesn't activate. Um, six cents. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if if but the, but the new the new way means yeah. that you can speculatively at, uh, declare the BS attack, and then if you shoot me, I can shoot back. If you don't shoot me, I lose my arrow. Exactly. Yeah. So that's it. Kind of gives you a little bit of uh, a couple of options there. Like if you're pretty confident your opponent's about to shoot you, then you can declare BS attack, uh, or you can still declare dodge. Uh, you know, a fizz fourteen, which is still pretty good, which will still be a face to face. And obviously, then allow you to you know to turn around. Um, so I, I like that from a sixth sense point of view, especially in a fire team. Um, it kind of gives that you know the power back to that fire team once you get within eight inches. Um, again, um, you know a, a, another example which was actually in the I'll direct people to the Gunhammer article that uh, came out uh, a couple of days of well I don't know last week or whenever it was, and he's um, they've done a really good job of. Kind of summarizing. Oh, be quiet. Sorry, my emails are going off because I'm supposed to be working. Um, uh, they've they've done a good uh, um, good job of summarizing and giving some examples um, to sort of help people understand the implications, which I think is a really really good way of, of doing it. Um, yeah. So definitely jump on the um, check out goonhammer.com. Uh, it's the uh, slash infinity dash faq dash hot dash takes. So the infinity. Sorry, goonhammer. Infinity FAQ, uh, FAQ hot, hot takes. Yeah. So definitely um, check that out for some summarization of some of these rules. Yeah. So it kind of, it kind of um, you know, how, how in N3 you could delay your ARO against uh, enemy within zone control with six cents. It kind of gives that back a little bit. Like you can't delay, but it does allow you to um, declare a skill. And then when it becomes um, valid because you've got six cents, then you can at least use it. So. I quite like that. Cool. As well. Um, is there anything else we wanted to mention? I mean, that about covers it for me, I mm-hmm. think. Um, having a look through the uh, the document here. I mean, on by and large, they're all things that did need clarification, I guess. And it is – even if they didn't necessarily need clarification because that's how most people were playing, it is good to have that clarification anyway. So I think it's a it's a good document. A um, couple of things there that 
might need to be clarified again potentially, but I mean, we can't get everything we want all the time. So no, and I'm sure we'll have another update. Um, in is it, I think they're doing them quarterly, right? So it'll be in uh, three months. Okay, sure. We'll, we'll see what happens. But yeah, no, I think all in all, that was a, a good change to the way AROs work. Great change to the way Impetuous works, and they tied up a few other bits and pieces, which is mostly uh, pretty clear. So, cool. Good. Good. To, good to see. Um, so that's about it. We've all we've got to talk about tonight. I'll just re. I just mention again about the June challenge. So you guys have one week left to submit your chess clock story. So again, it can be in a, any way you want. It can be you can do a battle report and then at the end of the battle report, like talk about how you felt chess clocks impacted your game, or it can be just an essay on your thoughts on or a short essay on your thoughts on the on chess clock. But please, like, please give them a go. Uh, the feedback I've had so far on our Discord has actually been very positive. Even people who were against or um, you know unsure about why they needed to use chess clocks, all of them have come back and said. This was, you know, this was an int- this was this was actually a useful tool, if not for me, for my opponent, um, it helped us play a game on time, um, uh, and and you know there's there's always been some some good feedback and good learnings from it also. It's been yeah, it's right. been a really good, it's been a really positive challenge and a really interesting um, month. So get those in, send them to lossoflieutenant at gmail.com and we'll announce a winner on our next episode. Yeah, great. All right, well, I think that's about it then, Kev. I reckon um, so. Perfect. So my name's been Nick. And I've been Kevin. And you've been listening to Loss of Lieutenant. Good night. Good night.